my best to articulate the word of the Lord this morning. Amen. Pray the Lord's word will bless you. Amen. Another week. And the Lord give us another word. He don't run out of word. We may run out of words, but God don't run out of word. Amen. Hallelujah. Joshua chapter 24, we'll jump down to verse 14. And I had every intention of reading it myself, but I just thought, let's, let's read it together. <laughs> Amen. I like, I like togetherness. I like when we uh, interact. Amen. Joshua chapter 24, we'll begin in verse 14. I'll read first. And um, then you can pick up uh, and read afterwards, and we'll continue to alternate until we get to verse 24. And verse 24, we'll read together. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. The scripture says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve. And <laughs> what happened? Well, let's start over. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. Fifteen. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites which dwelled in the land. Therefore will we also serve the Lord, for he is our God. Ooh. If, if, there's an if. <laughs> if ye forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after that he had done you good. And Joshua said unto the people, ye are witnesses against yourselves that ye have chosen you the Lord, to serve him, and they said, We are witnesses. And the people said unto Joshua, The Lord our God, and his voice we will obey. Father, we love you. 
We call upon your name right now, the name of Jesus. And we ask, Lord God, that you will help us this morning, that you will speak to our heart, and that, God, everything that hinders us, everything that prevents us, Lord, from walking towards you and trusting you and surrendering to you, I ask, Lord God, that you will destroy every yoke of bondage and that you'll forgive us of our sins and that you'll break every invisible chains and that you will loose every strongholds and you will set every captives free. Let nothing bound us. Let nothing hinder us. Let nothing prevent us from serving you this day. Remove out of our minds every negative thought, every thought, Lord God, that have us captive. We bind those thoughts in the name of Jesus Christ and we cast them, Lord God, in outer darkness that our minds will be free, that God, we will be liberated and that God, we will make a right decision today to say, Jesus, we will serve you. We will serve you and nothing will stop us, oh God, today. I pray, Lord God, that you will explain in this place and do a work that we've never seen because no longer can we be bound no longer can we be held back no longer can thoughts Lord God stop us from moving forward we ask you Lord God to enter in and do your work among us Lord and we ask you these things in Jesus name somebody say amen clap your hands unto the Lord you may be seated in his presence So the Lord is funny, as you know. Some of you think the Lord is always serious. The Lord is not always serious. He's funny. Because when he gave me the title of this message, I said, you're funny. He gave me the scripture. I got the scripture early in the week, but I never really got the the, the title of the message. And so the title came later. So here's the title of today's message. Indecision is a decision. I laughed when I got that. Indecision is a decision. Do you want me to prove that real quick? A lot of people was flustered. A lot of people was all over the map on Wednesday morning. The Bible, not the Bible, but the statistics says that 43% of registered Democrats did not vote. I know you're saying what? Indecision is a decision. And so when people decided, those candidates don't agree with them. And I would say probably the majority of our country felt like, I don't believe either of them are going to make a really good president. And so because we thought that, we didn't make a decision, but we in turn made a decision. (laughs) So when God says, I want you to preach about indecision is a decision, I laugh. I said, it's election week, Lord. He said, yeah, I know. (laughs) So we have to start begin to, to, to think about when we don't make decisions. What do they mean? What, 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 what does it mean when we decide, well, because I'm just not going to. I'll even go as far as to say sometimes we hear or we overhear conversations that we're in earshot and it might not sound appropriate and we say, well, that's none of my business. You made a decision. Even though you feel like I didn't make a decision. Joshua Talk to us a little bit here. He says in verse 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. 
What does fear the Lord really mean? It means to revere him. It means to admire him. It means to be in awe. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God. Listen, when you are in awe of God, just to think about him or just, oh, just, to, just, just to be in his presence, something begins to bring you to a place of just great reverence and awe of who he is. I, I want to invite you this morning to get to a place in your life where you will be in awe of God, where you will be in, in, in great reverence of God. We, we have revered people and we've revered just, just, just how certain people, their status in our life and in this world and we revere them more than we revere God and nobody can compare to God. We need to get an appetite. We need to get a passion and desire to now know how to revere God. When we think about His goodness, ah, uh, when I think of his goodness and all he's done, the Bible says, my soul cries out. My soul, so even when you may not be saying it with your lips and with your mouth, you need to let your soul just begin to cry out and just bring it all out. I'm glad I'm in a church that I can just freely worship and praise the Lord. Uh, we're not in a church where you feel God down in your heart, down in your belly, and you got to withhold yourself. Just get it out. Sometimes a good shout will set you free. Sometimes a good run will set you free. Sometimes a good just, just, just clapping your hands and lifting your voice and just saying, God, I praise you. It'll do some justice for you. It's no need to just hold back because God didn't hold anything back. We need to just give him what he deserves. Fear the Lord. That's what, he, that, that's what Joshua said. We need to fear the Lord. We need to revere him. We need to admire him. We need to be in awe of him. We need to worship him. Listen, we might as well get over that worship thing. If you don't worship God, you're going to worship something else. We might as well get over that. Because, you know, our, our pride and our ego say, worship. You know, it just does something to us because we feel like, you know... Who are they? He's the Almighty that giveth life. We need to fear the Lord. And then it says, and serve him in sincerity and in truth. That's heavy. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. So if you're serving him, no sincerity, no truth. You're just using your energy and strength to do what you are doing then God is not impressed with that. He wants us to serve him in sincerity and in truth. Serve him means to work for him. Live your life for him. Remember we talked about living your life for God. Living your life for God. We're living in God's stead. Remember that. I got to keep repeating that because that's very important that we understand when we say I'm living for God. What we're saying is I'm living in his stead. Because there, there was a time where God made an exchange. He says, I will save you all. But the only way to save you all, Sister Winnie, is to die for you. But if I die for you, it means I'm gone. And you're still here. Now you got to live in my stead. I, if we get that and hold on to that, I'm, 
that's challenging to think about that you're living because God died. And because he died and you're living, you can't live any way you want to live. You got to live the way he would live while he was here. That's the exchange that he made with us. And if you don't want that exchange, then you will die. That's, that's what he's saying. So there's an exchange. So our life is supposed to be instead of his. So when people see you, they're supposed to say, man, you look like a child of God. When people see you, they're supposed to say, you must be a Christian. When people see you, they ought to say, man, there's something about you. You got to be a man of God, a woman of God, a young person of God, because you're living in the stead and you're doing what he would do if he was here. Indecision is a decision. After exhorting the people to fear and serve the Lord, Joshua calls them to consider the alternative of rejecting God. And to make a decisive choice to serve him. Indecision is a decision. We must make clear, concise decisions with the issues we face. In our life. This is the word for the day. God is trying to get us to open up our understanding and begin to weigh the matters of life to decide what we must do. No longer can we be in between two decisions and just say, well, I'll just. Because if you say, well, I'll just, you're making a decision. Yeah, I know. I know we figure, well, let me just wait. No, you're making a decision, even though you think you're not. We're free to choose. Tell your neighbor you're free to choose. Joshua was the leader of the people, yet he did not command them to submit to God. Now, we we can encourage you. We, 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 can, we can tell you it's a good thing if you submit to God, but we can't make you submit to God. No, not even God himself will make you submit to him. That's, the, that's why we're so challenged because we feel like if God is not making me, then I guess I won't do it. We want God to make us submit and God won't make us submit because there's no good relationship when you say, you better submit. Husbands, we can't tell our wives, you better obey me and submit to me. I'm not telling her that. I'm teaching her the word of God. And it's up to her to do what God says she needs to do. I can't make somebody do anything. The only people I can make do anything is my underage children, my underage children. Those are the other only ones. I've got overage children. I can't tell them what to do. But the underage one, I tell them. What, that's the only people I can tell what to do. It's the only people you can tell what to do. Joshua didn't make them submit, didn't force them to submit. He didn't compel them to submit. He left the choice to them. God has given every one of us the will to choose whatsoever we want to choose. God is trying to treat us with respect and love. And so he gives us a choice. He doesn't make us. Not forcing us. God does not force devotion to him. He doesn't force it. The worth or value of devotion depend on its free willingness. 
we talked about this on Thursday night um, in our Bible study. A brother said, man, I didn't want to go to church tonight. Didn't want to come to Bible study tonight. And, but after a while, I started thinking, you know what? The devil trying to keep me from going to Bible study. So I am going to go to Bible study regardless of how I feel. That, that's, that, that's, that's, that's how you worship God and God eats it up. I don't feel like lifting my hands. I don't feel like opening up my mouth. I don't feel like worshiping God. But you know what, flesh? You feel that way. But I'm telling you, God is so good to me that I'm going to worship him no matter what. God is so good to me that it doesn't matter how I feel. It's about what I want to give to him. And because I've got a free will, because I've got the choice to decide, I can either sit and say I ain't doing nothing, or I've got the choice to say I will stand and lift my hands and lift my voice, and I will worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And it doesn't matter what this flesh feels like. I'm going to give unto the Lord willingly. The flesh don't control me. It is my mind and the spirit and the word of God that controls me. And so I do it because I willingly want to. At any time in this church, you can just stand up and worship the Lord. You're not distracting me because I'm not going to get in your way when you're trying to reach your God. And that's the way it needs to be. You have free will to determine how to worship God. You, your willingness to worship God is what's going to produce something in your life. Your willingness to go to church is what's going to produce something in your life. Your willingness to pray, not how you feel, but your willingness to say, I don't feel, but I'm going to do it anyhow. I don't want to, but I'm going to do it anyhow. That's your willingness because your flesh can tell you something, but nothing control what's in your mind. You control your mind. You tell your mind, tell your flesh what to do from your mind. Jesus said in the Bible that we, how do we get transformed? How do we get transformed to become a child of God? By the renewing of your mind. That's what's important is the mind, not the physical. And while the physical is telling you, man, I'm tired. You tell that physical, I'll get some rest after I get done praising God. <laughs> I'll get some rest after I get, get done clapping unto the Lord. I'll get some rest when I get done with giving God what he's supposed to have for me. Don't let your flesh or anything control you. We serve God without voluntarily choosing him for our master. We, we cannot serve God without. This, this, is, this is the big issue with us. We cannot serve God without voluntarily choosing him to be our master and Lord. So here's what I'm saying. Our challenge is, I want God in my life. I want to be a Christian. I want to live for him. I want to go to heaven. I want the blessings of God. But I can't do everything he tells me. That's, what, that's called him being Lord of your life. When we say Lord, that's what we're saying. Anytime you say Lord... You're saying master. Anytime you say Lord, you're saying master. And so most of us want him to be savior. Save me, Lord. Most of us want him to be provider. Provide, Lord. Most of them want him to be the gift giver. Give gifts, Lord. But most of us don't want him to be Lord and reign and rule over your life. Where you go, 
He needs to approve it. What you do, he needs to approve it. You can't do anything without going to him and check. That's when he's Lord of your life. Don't get quiet on me. Yes. But it's why I told you it's easy living for God. How can I say that? When, it, when you live for God, Brother Sam, me and you, I think we share this. When we live for God and he is Lord, I never have to make another decision on my own anymore. When he's not Lord, I got to figure things out all the time. My intellect got to work. My mind got to work. How am I going to get this done? How am I going to get that done? Man, the kids drive me crazy. All this stuff going on. That's when I'm in charge. When I make him Lord, I wake up, I say, Lord, what are you going to do with my life today? Just show me where you want me to go, you know. Uh, I know I got to pray, so that, that, that wasn't something I had to think about. I just go ahead and pray. I know I got to read my word. I just know what he requires of me, so I live according to his requirements. I don't have to make the decision. Man, if I would just tell a lie. I can't tell the lie because I'm not in charge of my life. Man, if I can just, I got a little extra money from the bank teller this morning, and I just felt like that was a blessing. I can't do that. I got to give out the bank teller the money. Sam, you get some extra money from the store. Give it back. Don't be talking about the man messed up and he was just giving you a blessing. Give back the man the extra dollar. I'm only kidding, Sam. But 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 we when he's in charge of our lives, we can't make those decisions because it's not up to us anymore because Jesus is Lord of my life. So it's no longer up to me what I do. It's up to him what I do. Yes, yes, yes. So we can't serve God and not make him Lord of our life. So when you make up in your mind to serve God, you can't serve him anyhow you want. You got to serve him the way he wants. You know how your kids do? My kids do this to me. The older ones. I'm still cutting my grass because I don't want them cutting my grass. I need the help. But whenever I tell them to cut the grass, it's always a patch where the lawnmower just went down a little bit so you can see the patch. It's just never cut right. You know why? They didn't want to do it. So my neighbors, everybody, my wife, I don't know why you're cutting the grass. If I want the grass to look good, I got to cut the grass. Because I cut it with some pride because it's my grass. That's my house. My neighbor's looking over. So I got to cut my grass. Yeah, they, they do a bad job. Rake up the leaves. Okay. You come like, did they rake anything up? That's the deal. So they don't do things right because they don't want to do it. I'm sure I got a little bit of attribute of my daddy old God in my life. And so I do like him. I don't want it. Just just don't give it to me. If you're going to do it like that, I don't want it. Keep it. I'll do it myself because you thought I asked you because I couldn't do it. No. I, oh, God. That's a message right there. What well, do you think God asking you because he couldn't do it? He can do it, but he wants you to do it because we're working together. We're family. And he's saying, go ahead and do that for me. But if you're not going to do it with pride, if you're not going to do it like the way I would do it, then don't do it at all. That's what God is saying. We come to church and we think we're throwing God a bone and he's sitting back saying, I don't, don't give that to me. If you don't want to, don't give it. Just like I'm telling the kids, just don't, just leave it alone. I'd rather go pay somebody to come and do it than get y'all to do it because y'all not doing it right. And so we come to church 
And we want to give God how we want to give it to him. Not the way he said give it to him. And God not tolerating it. Mm-mm. He'll tell you keep it. If he's all powerful. Remember when he was on the cross. People says, yeah, look at you. Why don't you call some angels now to get you down? You think he couldn't do it? He could have, but he didn't. And what he's asking us to do, he could do it. But he understands we're together in this. He created us for fellowship. He created us to, to be together. And so what he's saying is, I can do it, but if we're together and we family, let's do this thing together. So when we decide to, to give God what he asks us, we can't just do it just any old kind of way. If you're going to praise God, you're going to have to praise him because you need to praise him. You It's deep down in your gut. I'm not just clapping my hands. I told you, if I'm praising God, somebody's going to walk in that door and say, he's praising Jesus. They're not going to mistake me thinking I'm at a ball game or something. I'm not just clapping because somebody just did something well. God just Bless me. No, I'm clapping and I'm praising because of who he is, not what he's done, because of who he is. That's why I praise him. That's why I worship him. That's why I give him the honor. And that's why I give him the praise. Because I'm here. Because I know who he is. I know who he is. I know who he is. I'm getting there. Indecision is a decision. Indecision is a decision. So if we don't make him Lord, we can never become true Christians by accident. We can never become Christians by accident or by the influence of the congregation. Here's what I've seen over the years. I've seen people come to church and say, man, I feel the Holy Ghost. God saved me today. You can feel the Holy Ghost. Don't make you a Christian. Don't make you a child of God because you feel the Holy Ghost. God's Spirit is moving in the earth. You're going to feel His Spirit at some point in time. That don't make you a Christian. you got to make a conscious decision to say, I'm going to give my life to God. I'm going to repent of my sins. I'm going to get baptized in Jesus' name. He's going to fill me with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to live righteously. I'm going to live holy. And when I make a mistake right away, I'm going to repent and ask Him to forgive me of my sins. I'm going to walk right and talk right and live right. I'm going to have to make a conscious decision to live for God. Hmm. Christianity depends on a decisive action of the will. Indecision is a fatal error. Tell your neighbor, indecision is a fatal error. We may not choose the evil. Listen to this. We may not choose the evil, yet we practically abandon ourselves with the evil when we refrain from choosing good. So you leave yourself stranded. Just You leave yourself just to deal with evil once you decide not to choose good. Because evil is always present. Evil is always present. So when you don't choose God, you just allow yourself to be abandoned and stranded with evil. And you can't do nothing about it because everything outside of God So we can't fool ourselves in thinking that, well, 
I'm not really doing bad. I'm not really doing nothing wrong. By not choosing God, you automatically abandon yourself with evil. And you can't over, you, you can't override evil. You can't outdo evil. Evil was here before you. There's no way to overcome evil but by God. Yes? No way to do it. So if we just make no decision, evil is still doing its thing in our life. Whether we want it to or not, just by not choosing God. In ordinary life, indecision is sure, sure, sure way of failure. If you never do nothing, just think about that. I'm never going to do nothing. I'm not living for God. I'm not living for the devil. I'm just doing nothing. Sure way of failure. Sure way of failure. Though we, we may not be sure of many points of doctrine, if only we know enough for choice, we must not hesitate to make for God. We can't Hesitate to make a choice for God because the other things that are not associated with God is evil. There is no reason to delay. Joshua called for immediate decision. Leaders must not delay once they receive their marching orders. Once you receive your marching orders from God, you should not delay. Can you imagine God tell us to do something and we we just, well, hold on, God. Hold on, God. Now, I I usually make sure it's God and not me. But once I know it's God, I'm getting on it. If God be not the object of our adoration, of whom we serve, who occupies the throne of our life. If God is not the one you serve and worship and who occupies the throne, who is on the throne in your life, by the way? Did you ever ask yourself that? Who's on the throne in your life? You? Other things? Because whoever is on the throne is the ruler. In case we, you know, you didn't know where I was going with that. Whoever is on the throne is the ruler. So if you sitting on the throne of your life, you ruling your life. And when it's like that, God don't have nothing to do with it because He's saying you on the throne, you on your throne. But you know, I'm on my throne, but you on your throne ruling over your life. God says, "He that is not with me is against me." Hmm. Those who advance not the work of the Lord, they are his foe. God will not accept divided allegiances. Serve God or serve mammon. A lot of times we want God because we know what he can do. We know who he is. That's what the rich young ruler did we talked about last week. He knew God was the real deal. He knew he was Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. He knew it. But he still walked away sorrowfully because he was just more caught up in his stuff. He was sitting on his throne. You cannot serve God and mammon. 
Joshua anticipated the position of those to whom might seem it might seem evil to serve the Lord. So Joshua brought the question, choose ye this day whom you will serve. He did also say, though, but if you think it evil to serve the Lord. So he says, Joshua understood there were people that thought it was evil to serve the Lord. Somebody got to be honest with themselves. Sometimes we think it's evil to serve the Lord. Not, we might not say evil, but we might say, eh, it's just too much. Yeah, thank you. It's just too much. Too much going on to serve the Lord. Got to do too much. Hmm. Now, what I'm going to ask you to do today is, if you think it's too much to serve the Lord, once you start weighing the matters, what is the alternative if you don't serve the Lord? What is your expected end when you don't serve the Lord? Where will you get your blessings from when you don't serve the Lord? Because if you really can bless yourself, you would have blessed yourself so many times over and over again. So if we decide it's too hard to serve the Lord, then what is our alternative not to serve the Lord? What should we do instead of not serving the Lord? Is there a better choice? Is, is there a better situation that I can get into instead of serving God? Is there a better scenario than serving God? What's better, staying home or going into the building to worship? What is a better alternative? We got to start weighing out the matters. Got to weigh out the matters. God told me yesterday to talk to y'all, not preach to y'all. He did. So that's why I'm talking this morning. He said to weigh out the matters. Weigh out the matters. We, 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 we have to say, okay, this is a decision that I'm making. Okay, that's fine because you have free will to make your choice. But weigh it out, please. Weigh it out to see why you're making that choice. And when you do, where is it going to take you? What is the expected end? Thursday night we talked about in Bible study. Holy Christians, that's what we've been talking about. We've been studying Psalms 23 and talking about holy Christian, not H-O-L-Y, but W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy, complete Christians. And we've been studying the 23rd Psalm. And so we're learning a lot of things from studying the, the, the 23rd Psalms. And if we're going to be whole with God, we're going to have to realize that in him is where everything dwells. Everything you need is in God. The Bible says in him we live and move and have our being. So if we're out of him, then what? Listen, can I, can I just suggest something here? Struggle and live for the Lord. Whatever you got to do and live for the Lord, if there is no better alternative, there, there is nothing that's going to make things better in your life. Than serving the Lord. I know sometimes it's tough. I know there's struggles. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Joshua says, okay, you can reject him, but you better weigh it out and see if you reject him, what will be your alternative? What will you do? It is not smart to object to the difficulties of Christianity until we weigh out the consequences. 
So we, we, a lot of times we reject, I don't know about church, I don't know about God, and we never weighed anything out. My early time going door knocking, I learned some things, a lot of things. And I remember knocking on people's door, and I remember just talking to people, and they said, um, I don't want to hear about that, don't want to hear about the Lord. And I said, have you ever tried them? No, but I know. And then I got real down right. And I said to some, uh, some people, depending on who they were, I said, listen, I'm a Jamaican. And if I tell you that that weed that you're smoking ain't no good, you can take my word for it. Because most Jamaicans know weed. Even if you didn't smoke it a whole lot, we knew weed. Because wherever we walked past, we smelled it. We smelled the best weeds in the world. Just telling you. So we knew weed. We, if we didn't smoke, we knew weed because that's what we grew up on. Not grew up on it, smoking it, but that's just what was in the community. I remember as a kid, I remember grown men used to give me 50 cents to go buy a little a stick. There you go. See, the Jamaican people know, they know. 50 cents to go buy a stick. It was nothing. It was like cigarettes. Go and buy cigarettes at the store. So I go buy a stick for 50 cents coming. So we know the smell. So if you came to me and said, yo, smoke this, and I would say no, because I know about weed. And you couldn't contest me after that. But if somebody come and tell you about Jesus and you just say no, or you reject it, and you never tried him, you in a whole lot of trouble. We have to weigh it out and say, I've never tried him. Talk to me a little bit more about this Jesus. Let me know a little bit more about this Jesus. And even some of us that's been coming to church a long time, we need to take a stop and a pause today and say, tell me a little bit more about this Jesus. Because I don't know why I can't commit to him. I don't know why I can't just give it all up for him. I don't know why I can't surrender to him. I don't know why I won't just obey him. So I I need to know a little bit more about this Jesus. Because I believe if we all ever get to know about this Jesus, we'll say it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. If we come to the knowledge of the truth of this Jesus, it's a no-brainer. I got to live for this dude. I got to live in his stead. We have to weigh the matters. How are we going to make this decision to follow Jesus? How are we going to make this decision? Because I I believe this is important because a lot of us are like the rich young ruler. Know what what we're hearing is true. But now the question is, how do I get it done? I'm glad you asked, how did you get it done? Joshua chose independently to serve the Lord. Joshua's choice, he made the choice first. Remember, he was the leader. He made the choice first to say, I'm going to serve the Lord. Can I tell you this? You have to seek God for yourself because all of us impact somebody's life. I don't care who they are. All of us are going to impact somebody's life. But you can't impact somebody's life until your life is impacted. And what I believe we have tried to do sometimes is tell people about God, but God ain't working in our life either. And then we get frustrated because we're saying, man, 
Your life may be okay and they might be on drugs or they might be in a bad situation. You think your life is okay and why won't they listen because you're telling them the truth. But I got to tell you this. If your life is not exemplary to leading and following Jesus Christ, then no matter what your life is all about, you still can't get a drug addict to leave crack alone. You can't get an alcoholic to stop drinking. You can't get nobody to do nothing because your life got to exemplify Christ before you can speak. You see, when crisis in your life and you begin to speak there's a spirit, there's an authority there's a power that goes with the words that you speak because you're speaking the word of God that you are living and when you begin to do that, people's life become impacted, but we can't impact nobody's life until we impact our own life so notice what Joshua did as for me and my house Joshua wasn't going around telling everybody they need to serve the Lord until he decides, Brother Sam. Let me get this thing together. Let me obey God. Let me trust God. And when I trust God and begin to live for God, I'm going to make sure my family is living for God. And once they're living for God, then I can make sure I start reaching out to others. But if we don't get God for ourselves, we can't impact nobody else's life. Now, I'm not going to tell you everybody going to listen to you. And I know we have kids that we live in and they won't do it. But at least every day you're living the righteous life before them. Every day you're living the life that is right and pleasing in the sight of God. Every day you're doing that so they can see. Because we don't know when they're going to finally decide, you know what, my dad, my mom, they've been so consistent. I, I I got to do the right thing and live for God. We can't get discouraged because they won't uh, follow the Lord like we follow the Lord. But you first got to follow the Lord. I've gone, I've lived for God just enough now to realize if I say I love my children, I can't leave God. And I really do love my children. I realize there's nothing better in this world than for your child to go to heaven. To have a relationship with Jesus Christ and live. There is nothing greater. If somebody, I will not exaggerate. If somebody want to tell me right now, my oldest, he always trying to get into acting. He can become a million. He can be the next Denzel or it's a sure shot. He's going to be a preacher and go to heaven. Give me all day preacher. Give me all day preaching the gospel and go to heaven. I don't care if he's the next Denzel. Because I realize I love my children. And the best thing for them is Jesus Christ in heaven. There is nothing. I cannot give them anything better than that. I cannot give them. I, I don't care what kind of insurance I got when they when I die. They will eat that money up in a second. They'll spend up in a second. I don't care what kind of car I left them when I die. They will. They will. They will crash it after a while. My greatest desire is for my children to walk in truth, to know truth, to live for God. That's what I will always desire. And I will keep praying and asking God to move in their life. So that's what they will do. So they will come to that place. That's the greatest thing that can ever happen to all the people I love. Not money. Not a good situation. So that means that there's some days where I'm challenged, Sister Sharon, but I weighed it. I weigh it. And I said, I've come too far to turn back now. I've come too far to, 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 to not continue to let my children see their dad living for God or not all the people's life that I touch. Can I tell you this? 
your greatest testimony is that no matter what you go through, you keep living for God. That will be your most powerful thing you can do. That's what I believe that I've tried to do for my family. That they will say, everything, my dad wasn't all good in every area. But one thing I can tell you about that man, he ain't never stopped living for God. That's what I want to pass on to my children. That's what I want them to know. For all of you that have in some way touched your life, that's what I want you to say. I'm not going to call him perfect. But one thing I will say, from the day he said he was going to live for God, I never saw him walked away. I never saw him left. I, I saw him go through stuff. He struggled. He battled. I saw him went through bad days. I saw him went through good days. But he always trusted in the Lord. He always held to the word of God. That's what we got to deliver in our lifestyle to everybody we love. That's what we got to deliver to them. If we love them. Man. I can't even imagine loving somebody and me and them die and go to hell together. And we just all, we both tormented in that situation. That's not what I want. That's not what I want. Joshua chose independently that he was going to serve the Lord, him and his house. He didn't wait for everybody else to choose. We can't wait. You know, I'm talking to you this morning. Almost done. Flight attendants, prepare for landing. So you know what that means. 15 minutes, I'll be on the ground. But we go to places, and especially in church, and the leader of the service might say, come to the altar and let's pray. And you know what we do? Let me see who get up first. Because if, if, if they don't get up, I ain't getting up. Oh, they got up? Oh, I'm getting up. Oh, see, so-and-so got up. I'm getting up. I've seen that so often in church. People just sit around and never move because in their mind, if, if a certain person that they think is influential don't get up, I ain't getting up. That's weak. It's weak. You hear me? It's weak. If God spoke to your heart, if God touched your life, nobody don't know what you're dealing with. Nobody don't know what you're going through. Nobody don't know what you and God was dealing with as the preacher was preaching and God is ministering to you. Who cares? Who's, I don't care. I'm getting up and I'm walking to the altar because God dealt with me and I'm going. I'm not waiting for anybody else to go. I'm not waiting for you to do nothing. I'm not waiting for you to clap your hands. I'm not waiting for you to, to say hallelujah. I'm doing it on my own. And if I can tell you something today, we need to take a, a page out of Joshua's book and say as for me I'm standing up first and said if it's about Jesus then I'm going to do it if God is telling me that I'm going to obey I'm standing up and I'm doing it doesn't matter what you do can we all tell, tell your neighbor don't matter what you do I'm going to do what I got to do for Jesus got to do it for Jesus doesn't matter I can't worry about how I look so if I feel like Jesus is talking to my heart, uh, man, I've, oh, God help me. I've, I've heard, uh, I've heard about people that got delivered. You know how they got delivered? 
They didn't care about what nobody else thought. They came through the church doors uh, and they says, man, uh, I'm addicted to nicotine. Uh, I've tried everything uh, and I can't get delivered. Uh, I heard that the church uh, got power in it. Uh, I heard that Jesus uh, can deliver me. Uh, will somebody pray that God uh, will deliver me from nicotine? Uh, and everybody just got to come in the church uh, and say, I don't care what nobody think. Uh, I got situations. Uh, I got issues. Uh, but I'm coming through the church doors uh, because I heard Jesus uh, can heal the blind. Uh, I heard Jesus uh, can raise the dead. Uh, I heard Jesus uh, can heal the sick. Uh, I don't care what nobody else say. Uh, I've heard it uh, and I want to experience it. We got to stop waiting for people. We got to start waiting to see who doing what, who doing what. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my family, I'm going to do what the Lord said to do. Doesn't matter what nobody else doing. Doesn't matter what anybody else doing. We got to change that old dynamic up in church because we just sitting and we just kind of looking around and we just kind of checking it out. What's going on? I don't care. I'm here for Jesus. And after service, I'll fellowship with you. After service, I'll hug you and talk to you. After service, I'll take out the lunch. But while I'm here and service going on, I'm lifting my hands. I'm lifting my voice. I'm shouting unto the Lord. I'm praising His name. I'm praying unto the Lord. Not waiting for nobody else. Nobody don't know what's going on in your life. It's God that knows what's going on in your life. Nobody don't know what you're battling. Nobody don't know your situation. Nobody don't know what you're sick with. Nobody don't know where you are emotionally. Just go to God on your own and say, God, I need you. Every place I've read where God had did something miraculous, somebody stepped out and didn't care what nobody thought. Blind Bartimaeus. Jesus! Thou son of David! Have mercy on me! And the church people said, man, leave Jesus alone. Oh, it was the church people that said that. You ain't know? Yeah, he's screaming out. And the church people said, man, leave the Lord alone. Leave the Lord alone. The church people. Because the church people just sit down and they never get nothing because they ain't asking, they ain't seeking, they ain't knocking. They just sit back. And this crazy man says, I need my, I need my vision. I need my sight. And he shouted the more when they tell him, be quiet. And Jesus stopped and said, bring him to me. Bring him to me. He getting ready to experience a miracle that you won't experience because you too cool. Because you feel like, you know what? It's no big deal. I'll sit here and I'll talk to God. Listen, don't frustrate yourself by coming to church in your mind, talk to God. In your mind, talk to God. And you know you want God to do something. You believe God is going to do something. You go home and nothing changes and then you get mad at God. When God is saying, I was talking to your heart. Did you believe it was me? So why didn't you just begin to move? Why didn't you stand? Why didn't you shout? Why didn't you lift your voice? Why didn't you cry out? Why didn't you begin to just praise and worship me? Well, you didn't know it was me. 
Jesus says, if you deny me, I will deny you. You know what that means? If you don't want to worship me and praise me, then guess what? I don't have nothing to offer you because you are denying me. And if I'm working in your life, you need to be sure to give me the praise and the honor. And I'm not asking you for the praise and the honor because I'm just some egotistical God. But when you praise me for what I'm doing, somebody else will see and say, oh, I need to know who that God is that does touch Tony's life. I need to know who that God is that just touched Tyler's life. I need to know who that God is that just touched Winnie's life. That's why God wants us to move and act because maybe God wants to do a great miracle in this church but it's going to take for somebody, one person to say, me God, here I am. Do that miracle in my life and when that miracle happens then people are going to begin to say there's miracle going on in that church. There's God moving in that church. I'm going to get my blessing. That's what will happen when we begin to stand up. We become a blessing to others. God will bless us, but we become a blessing to others because now we've shown what the power of God can do. But if we never do anything, we can't show what the power of God can do. It's time to let the power of God be manifested in you, not your neighbor, you. I remember hearing a man, this is, this is my first time going through this. I remember a man said, preacher, there's somebody here in back pain. You've been having horrible back pain, but God is getting ready to heal you because he just spoke to me. He's going to heal you. I don't know how many people in that congregation had back pain, but I had it. And I just got out my chair. Oh, God. I just lift my hands. And I started worshiping God because he spoke to me. I could care less who was next to me, who was behind me, who was in front of me. It was a word for me. And I had to let God know, I know that was for me. I know you gave me a word. Now let me praise you for that word, God, because I knew you spoke to me. I don't know if um, ten more people had back pain that morning. But he spoke to me and I gave him the praise. He spoke to me and I gave him the praise. God wants to give us miracles, but we sit on the miracles. I don't remember any person that received a miraculous touch from God that just sat quietly, that just sat there and took it all in and just say in their mind, yeah, 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 that's true. I, I read every time, every time somebody received a miracle, when God began to speak to their mind, whether through his prophets or through his men of God or him directly, every time he began to speak it, then people began to respond. And it was their response that caused the great miracle. Even the man that couldn't walk, that was at the gate of beautiful. Arms! If he wasn't asking for arms, if he didn't get somebody to take him to that gate. Oh, somebody help me this morning. These people that got miracles, they even call people. Can you take me to the gate of beautiful? Every day somebody had to take him to the gate because he couldn't walk. So every day somebody took him to the gate or wheel him to the gate or he pulled himself to the gate some kind of way. He put a lot of effort into his actions to get to the gate of beautiful. And when John and Peter was at the gate now and they say, silver and gold have I none, but such as have I had, I give I to thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You know what had happened to him? He put effort getting to the gate of beautiful every week, every day. Just imagine him say, he stay home. Well, 
I don't have nobody to take me there so I can beg for some alms. So I'm just going to stay home. He would have never got his miracle. It would have never happened for him. When you sit around and just chill, it will never happen for you. Remember what we said? If you're comfortable, you're not changing. God is not into your comfortability. God says, I want you to be changed. And so I'm going to make you uncomfortable. If you're comfortable, you're not changing. But when you become uncomfortable, it means God is changing you. And that's always a good thing. God loves you too much to keep you where you are. God loves you too much to leave you right where you are. You're steady fighting God. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. And God is saying, no, I'm not. I love you too much. I'm not leaving you alone. Because if I leave you alone, you're going to die in your sins. If I leave you alone, you will never be transformed. If I leave you alone, you will never make it into what I've called you to be so I'm not leaving you alone I am going to make you uncomfortable I am going to stir you up and so this morning if you're uncomfortable you need to praise God and say God I am uncomfortable but it means you love me it means you're saying you will never leave me nor forsake me you will never let me stay where I am you're going to raise me up and you're going to save me if you're uncomfortable won't you clap your hands unto the Lord why don't you stand this morning And clap your hands unto the Lord. If you're uncomfortable this morning, give God the praise. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua set a noble example which is so powerful it powerfully affected his followers when people see you saying as for me and my house I will serve the Lord you will never understand how you will affect people's life by saying I'm going to serve the Lord Joshua showed himself fit to lead men because he first led himself if we're going to be leaders we're going to have to lead ourselves first. We can't lead others until we lead ourselves. Listen to this. We may dislike isolation, but we're not alone because Jesus is with us. And sometimes you feel lonely, sometimes you feel like nobody cares. Sometimes you feel like nobody's reaching out. Sometimes you feel like nobody loves you. Jesus wants me to communicate this to you. That is his time and your time together. That is his time and your time together. Don't you start, don't you worry about isolation and loneliness. It's your time and his time. He wants you to take the opportunity to worship him at that time. He wants you to take the opportunity to praise and and just be in his presence. He wants you to take the opportunity to read the word of God. He wants you to take the opportunity and to be in his presence, the fellowship with him. Because he has to strengthen you in isolation so you are able to go where the majority is. He cannot, he don't want to put you among the weak. He don't want to put you out there while you are weak. He wants to strengthen you so wherever you go, you will be able to strengthen others. Isolation is not a disease. Loneliness is not a disease. If you are living for Jesus Christ, he is calling you to that place for that, that's, that's, Time set aside for you and him to have fellowship for you and him. But if we do nothing about it, then it will become isolation. It will become loneliness if we never take the time to mingle and commune and to be with him. 
We're, 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 we're having an issue with loneliness and we're saying, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Don't allow social media to make you feel like, uh, you, 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 you're, 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 you're a castaway. Don't, don't allow social media to make you feel like you have nobody. Don't allow social media to make you feel like you're nothing. Uh, because when you look at it, everybody seems happy and everybody seems to have it going on uh, and everybody seems, but let me tell you, don't you believe that. Live in the real world. Everything that's on social media is all what people want you to know. They're not telling you what they don't want you to know. So don't worry about that. Get back to the reality of life, which is let me spend some time with Jesus. I feel like nobody cares. Okay. Don't get mad at nobody. Just say, Jesus, I understand what's going on. You're trying to bring me closer to you. You're trying to help me to get a closer walk with you. So now I understand. We we can't worry about isolation and loneliness. I watch God work. And I know he does this repeatedly. He did it in my life, but I know he does it repeatedly, repeatedly. I mentioned to you some time ago, for some of you that remember, when God started working on my heart to save me, I felt like I was by myself. All of my friends that I had, I didn't see them anymore because they weren't coming to church and I was going to church. And remember the transition from leaving the world to getting into the kingdom of God. You really don't have any church friends, but all your friends in the world are like, we don't see you no more. And so they start talking about you. Yeah, you start going to church now and kind of don't mess with us no more. So now you feel terrible because they're making you feel bad because you used to hang with them. And now you don't hang with them and they're mad and they're talking about you. And then the people that you're meeting in church, you and none of them are really tight because you don't know them. You just met them. And so now you're in between saying, Lord, what is this all about? And you feel lonely. You feel isolated. But if you go back to the word of God. That's what he does for every one of us until we get strong. Then he released us back among everybody. He pulls us out. He calls us. The Bible says that, that, that the church is the ecclesia, the called out ones. And so what he does is he, he sees you and he does this and he brings you out. He calls you. Come on, it's okay. He's shy. And he pulls you out, right? And when he pulls you out, and look, look, he's separated. He's separated from everything, everything. He's all by himself. And he's looking to the left and he's looking to the right and he said, man, my friends, you know, they don't talk to me no more. You know, yeah, I get a little embrace from the church brothers and the sisters say hello, but they ain't really my friends. I spent 30 years of my life with them dudes in the street. And now oh God is calling me. I can't mess with them no more. And they making me feel bad like I did them wrong when I just got to answer the call of God. And so now I'm right there. Nothing going on. I can either start complaining and murmuring and nothing happens. Or I can say, God, it's just you and me. And I'll stay there and I'll stay with you until you do whatever you got to do in me. And when you're finished with me, I know him. Let me just tell you what he'll do. He'll bring you back out. He'll put you back out there. And all of a sudden, you get around the friends and they're saying, man, how you know all of that? 
And now all of a sudden your friend's coming to you. Man, I was thinking about getting married. What you think about that? Then you go to this friend over here and he says, yeah, I got some issues with my wife. You know anything? Can you help me? They was never going to ask you that if you were still with them. We can't worry about that isolation and loneliness. Take the time to just get on your knees. Look to the Lord. Sit in quiet places. When bad thoughts come, say, I rebuke that thought in Jesus' name. And just say, God, speak to me, speak to me, speak to me. I know what you're doing in my life. I know you're, I know, I know you're trying to separate me and get me into a real place with you, a real relationship, Lord. But help me, Lord God. I don't know how to pray the way I need to pray. I don't understand all the words in the Bible, the these and the thous and all those, the begats. I don't know all that, Lord. But God, I know you're calling me. And I'll take the isolation. I'll take the loneliness. And God will be the one to bring people in your life. Now you're getting ready to get friends that only gonna be not only gonna be friends with you because you're doing wrong like they're doing wrong, but they're gonna be friends with you because they really love you. They're gonna be friends with you because they really care about you. Joshua stood up and said, "Choose you this day." Even people that walked away from God will tell you it is better with God. It's not because they don't think it's better with God, but it's hard sometimes. We, we get in places that if we don't take the time to focus on God, it, we lose it. We lose it. Some of you may not have been in that place, but, but we, we get to a place sometimes where it's just hard. It's hard. And you're struggling and you're fighting and you feel like nobody's helping. And so we lose it. But those individuals that ever experienced that will still tell you it was better when I was just good and doing good with God. And I'm going to get back to that place. Somebody needs to say, I'm going to get back to that place. Somebody needs to say, I'm going to get to the place where God want me to be. I'm going to get back to that place. I'm going to go where God want me to go. Because God loved me too much for me to let him down. And I love me too much to just let myself down and not experience the blessings and the, the, just the, the fellowship of God. When we decide to make a decision to follow Christ, there must be evidence. There must be evidence. Somebody say evidence. You can't live for Christ with no evidence. First Kings. Here's his last scripture, and I'm really done. First Kings 18.21 says, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? Can I tell you what indecision really is? Holy Ghost. Indecision is you being lukewarm. Lukewarm is never a good place with God. Thank you. He will spew you out. Lukewarm stuff tastes bad. A nice cold iced tea tastes good. A nice hot coffee tastes good. Lukewarm coffee don't taste good. 
And so when we get to the spiritual, Jesus says, when we're lukewarm, he will spew us out of his mouth. When we're in between two decisions and won't make one, we're lukewarm. We're trying to choose the easy way out. And God said, that's the worst way you can take. Why? If you're hot, glory to God. If you're cold, I'm going to reach for you. But lukewarm, I can't do nothing with because you're straddled. And you're saying, oh, you're just bouncing like this when you're lukewarm. But when you make a decision to follow God, you're hot. And when you say, God, this is just rough and I can't do it. I'm not making it. You're cold. And in both of those scenarios, God can work with you. But when you straddle and you're in between two opinions, you're in between two decisions, God can't help you. If the Lord be God, we need to follow him. If you know that the Lord is God, you need to follow him. You need to make the decision today to follow him. Got to say this. This is not me. This is the Lord. Because I said I was done. Stop looking ahead of yourself. You're trying to project. And when you try to project, Luke, it stops you from making the original decision to be decisive. So we project where we think we're going. We project what we think is going to happen. And that projection stops us from moving. That projection keeps us straddled in between two opinions. That projection. You're trying to project what will happen. You're trying to project what the outcome will be. You're trying to project what things are going to turn out like. And you can't do that because you don't have that power. Only God has the power because he can, he will make it turn out the way he wants to. I heard that in the Holy Ghost. That you're projecting what's going to happen. So you stay between two opinions. You're projecting what you think the outcome will be. So you stay between two opinions. Which makes you lukewarm. Bow your heads with me. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray that the word that has gone out, (laughs) uh, the word that has gone out, Lord God, will stir mightily and miraculously in the soul of every individual here today. For Lord, I know your only intention is to save us and have fellowship with us. I know, Lord God, your only motive is your love that you have for us. There's no ulterior motive. And so I pray today that we all here today will weigh the matters. That we will weigh the matters and realize that your only gain out of this is our eternal life. Is our fellowship in you. Father, I pray today that hearts will be changed. Decisions will be made to obey you, to follow you. Surrender to the Lord today. Make a decision that from this day on, I'm going to serve the Lord. From this day on, I'm going to serve the Lord. I will not be in between two opinions. I will not no longer be indecisive, but I will make a decision. In the name of Jesus. Ah. Oh, hallelujah. My God, my God. Many of us are struggling 
with decisions today. This is why God had me to speak about decisions. Many of us are struggling with decisions. Listen. The first decision. The first decision. If you haven't heard anything else, hear this. The first decision is to make it right with God. <laughs> Don't you make that decision in the mindset that you're in. No, 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 no. No, no. Don't you make a decision in that mindset. God want me to tell you your first decision is to make it right with Him. Because if you make a decision in that mindset that you're in, you're going to mess up your life even more. The first decision is make it right with Him. Tell God to remove every thought out of your mind that's contrary to His will and purpose for your life. Because the first decision is to make it right with God. After you make it right with God, then God will direct you and instruct you in everything else. Don't make that decision. Don't make that decision in the mindset that you're in. There's somebody in here today or maybe more than one of you that you needed to make a decision and you heard this word today and you're ready to make a decision but God want me to tell you don't you make that decision because you heard the word until you make the first decision which is to make it right with me don't you walk out of here and says, well the preacher says I need to make a decision he did say that but he said the first decision you need to make is get it right with God when you make a decision to get it right with God he will lead you in every other decision and they will be prosperous and beneficial to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us today that we will not go from this place the way we came in and that this word, Lord God, will resonate in our heart and our soul. We thank you for your word today, Lord God. We thank you, oh God, for helping us. Because where we were, only you could have pulled us up. Only you could have spoken to our hearts for where we were, Lord God. Only you could have helped us for where we were, Lord God. And so we thank you for this word, Lord Jesus. Uh, oh God, that we will go back to the place of praying, talking to you, communing with you. That we will go back to the place of crying out to you. That we will go back to the place of prayer and consecration and fasting. That we will go back to a place, Lord God, of obedience and walking by faith. Huh. Father, we love you. Bless your people as we go today. Order our steps, Lord God. Father, I pray that you will never leave us. That you will trouble our minds, trouble our hearts trouble our soul and our spirit with your word that it will not escape us Lord God that your word will not escape us but that God we will walk in obedience to the word of God come on somebody take this time to talk to the Lord to fellowship with God take this time to regurgitate the word of God take this time to weigh the matters and let God be God in your life. Let God be Lord of your life. Let Him have the charge. Let Him have the rule. Let Him lead you and guide you. Whatever it is, God wants you to put your eyes on Him. 
focus on Jesus today. Focus on Jesus today. 